Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandon. Thanks for joining us for what is our 50th. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous to say out loud. Time flies. Our 50th episode. <laughs> Today, we catch up with Helene Saradkumar of Metta Minds for Kids to learn more about her latest venture as well as teachings and philosophies found in Buddhism. Now, Helene's voice might sound familiar to a lot of you because she was actually a guest back on episode 15 where we caught up about her successful business following her passion for fashion. We unpack Helene's incredible mission with Methaminds in fostering kindness, confidence and courage in children. We deep dive into the core values and concepts of Buddhism and discuss misconceptions about religion, spirituality and faith. We also wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who supported Stuck In Between over the last 50 episodes. If you're new to us, welcome! Please do go and check out our previous episodes if you haven't already. We have something for everyone. Now on to the episode. All right, I think we're going to need to give Salmon a few minutes to wake up because I feel like his eyes are still half closed because he's not used to being up this early. I'm sorry, my friend. What is with this rose to start the episode? It is 6 a.m. on a Friday morning and you know that I sleep way less than you do. I'd appreciate some compassion for this early morning recording. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I am a morning person, so no, I won't roast you anymore. But we are super excited to have you back on the podcast, Helene. Thank we you. can get back to roasting salmon later, but we Man. are wanting to talk to you about a very new, very different venture that you're delving yourself into. Yep. So we're really excited to deep dive into you yes. in this particular episode. And it's super different to what we spoke about back in episode 15, which was the last episode with you, by the way. So congratulations on the new project. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Sandin, for waking up early. Um, <laughs> no, I do really appreciate us all coming together and making a type that works. So thank you. Absolutely. I mean, can you, to start us off, tell us the story of Methamines? How did the idea come to you? Because when I saw it come up, because we kind of know who you are as a person and that you were teaching Buddhism and stuff, it mm. wasn't super surprising, mm. but I'm sure other people would have been like, There's the link. Yeah, I make dresses. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess. Most people would know me as Gather and Stitch. But, yeah, I've been teaching Buddhist scripture for 12 years in um, primary school through the Buddhist Council of New South Wales. And it's a volunteer thing I do because I just love teaching children. And also I love teaching children something I'm passionate about. And Metta Minds came out of that. It's the knowledge and the ways of teaching I've accumulated over the last 12 years and then I think two years ago when COVID happened, I started thinking about how, you know, maybe there's other people out there who I can't teach um, that would also benefit from it. And having also my own daughter and seeing how mindful practices can impact her life just kind of spiraled into what this was. So mm. here we are. And the point of Metta Minds, you know, our tagline is bringing kindness, confidence and courage to every child. And I think those are just the core roots and foundations of how you can learn about yourself, how you can learn about the universe, the world, and then being truly happy from within. Mm -hmm. And when you are truly happy from within, then you're going to give that happiness out to other people. And the words that you speak, the things that you think, the actions that you do will all be in line with your true self 
and then you know you have the potential to ultimately change the world if kids can learn to do this from a young age onwards so we've got the lessons that are targeted at primary school age children I do them with my daughter sometimes as well and she's three and a half so it's a little bit less but the feedback I've received is that no matter the age the kids are understanding of what it is and then there's also these let's talk about it sessions and kind of things that I do which is aimed at parents youth you know young adults they can either take it for themselves or they can teach it to their children because when you're the best version of yourselves they're going to be the best versions of themselves as well so I know it's targeted at kids but you know sometimes I try and get my dad to do these uh, little um, activities for homework as well. so yeah. I, I think it's a two-way yeah. thing but that's the thing though right you've designed it for yeah. children but it's still yeah. so digestible and applicable to us as adults even though it's targeted to yeah. kids and you know that's one of the things that I love yeah. about what you're doing yeah oh, thank exactly you. I agree with that and I think the other thing is as well like it encourages kids to start talking about themselves and their feelings and all of that in a more organic way because I'm imagining Mm. it would be a really great way to get them to start talking about things that maybe they wouldn't and hopefully that just fosters over time a more open relationship with the parent as well like have you noticed that or heard that yeah and I think what it is is because you're presenting it to them in a way that they already are trained to do in a way because they already yeah. yeah exposed to arts and crafts and that creativity is inside all of us and it's so good to tap into it because it is you inside. And so when they're in that moment and they're doing that, like that could be meditative, you know, just drawing a picture is meditating in a different way. So just doing that and intentionally my videos are so slow. It's designed so you can do the craft along with me because I just want it to be about that process of doing it. And yeah, for sure, like, you know, Anara's three and a half. And I think we've always been open having that dialogue and talking to her about stuff. So she's very open to the point where it's, yeah, it's coming back to us. Um, (laughs) The advice I give comes back to me. Um, Yeah. She's like, you be whoever you want to be on me. You believe what you want to believe. Don't let anyone else tell you. Which is so so cute. And you just can't help but smile because she's understood what you've been trying to say. And yeah, so it's a two-way relationship and it's just going to enhance that. And even when I've taught Buddhist scripture, some of the parents come up and tell me, you know, oh my goodness, I was sad the other day and my daughter came, took my hand and said, I know how to help you with this. And she took her hand and they sat down and they meditated. They just breathed. And so so she's like, you know, you guys taught them that. And it's so powerful because kids are, they're not afraid of your reaction. They're not afraid of your judgment at that age. Like if I was put in that position, I might be like, oh, what would this person think if I take their hand and sit down to meditate with them, you know? Whereas the kid is just like, come with me, mom. I got the answer for this, you know? Let's do it. Yeah. So just instances like that, that it truly does, make a difference yeah. yeah absolutely we don't give kids enough credit <laughs> no they are honestly so wise because they're listening to their hearts all the yeah. time you know I yeah and I love that mission you have because I think sometimes when we're taught about religion especially as kids we're often taught about the what but not the why yeah so, you know you're told what you're meant to do often out of routine 
without always being explained the deeper philosophies behind mm, the practices. And yeah. there's so much depth that gets lost in that, right? Not just in terms yeah. of the wisdom, but also practical things about how we can best live our lives and interact with the world around mm. us. I'm curious because we really do see the passion you have for your mission mm. in making this wisdom accessible for young people to learn about it in a digestible way and plant those powerful seeds really early. Yeah. I'm curious, what's your personal relationship with spirituality and faith and yeah. what, does, what does it mean to you? I mean, I think it's meant something to me so different in every part of my life. And like, it's always changing and it's always going to change as well. Mm. You know, at the start, you're born into a family that is already practicing Buddhism for generations. So you kind of inherit, there's two separate things there, but there's a cultural version of it. And then there's a true version of it. Both are combined when you're being raised in a particular way. So yeah, that was always just ingrained in me and it was just around. So I didn't kind of question whether it was true or not, because for me it was reality. Yeah. And then you grow up with them, but there are little inklings where you're like, don't know if that's true or not. And then slowly, you know, my dad will be like, come to this retreat. And like, I say, sometimes he made me go to things because you don't always have a draw to it or a interest in it to go. And I think we also think that spirituality is for old people. Yeah. Like you can do this later. Mm. Let's just concentrate on, you know, what we're doing now, having fun or like working and having a good life, falling in love or whatever it is. And let me do all that religious stuff later when I'm old. Mm. But it's actually so much harder when you're older. Mm. And I came across one person on a retreat and I was like, you know, this is the teaching for learning the stuff together. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do this now. I'm going to do this when I'm old because I want to concentrate on my music right now. But the thing is, if he employed these practices and employed the universal teachings, if he employed them in his life, as he went through life, his life would be so much better for yeah. it. And it would be enhanced the whole way through. Yeah. And I think we just have this thing where we're like, it's for old people. It's not for us now, but it's for yeah. everyone at any point in time. Mm. And especially children, I've realized they're so much more willing to accept these things because they don't have the prejudices that you get as you travel through life. So like right. when I teach kindergartens, like, did you know people discriminate other people because of their skin color? And they're just like, what? <laughs> because they're just like, why? Yeah. We're all the same. Like they don't have those yeah. thoughts and ideas that comes later from like parents or environment or whatever it is that they learn from and absorb. So yeah. kids are just like, they're so like accepting of the truth straight away. And I think also us, like, we don't have all that stuff. We're not ingrained in so many thoughts and ideas. And especially around this age, like you're exploring yourself and you're trying to figure things out. So this is the time where you can kind of tap into that. Right. Um, so yeah, that's where I am at the moment. Mm. Yeah. And I think like the older you get, the less likely you are to change your already ingrained values and what you've already taught in life. Right. So I think it is hard you've got to be open-minded if you're older and you're exploring this, yeah. but at the same time, to your point, it's almost easier to do it from a young age before the, mm negativity and all of that from the world starts to cloud inside to come in you yeah if you can like say you're learning about astrology if you start learning about space and all that from when you're three you're going to be like so good at it by the time you're 
an adult, right? Whereas if you're an adult and you start learning about, there's a lot of catching up to do and changing ideas and stuff like that. So yeah, it's much easier to do it as you go and it's going to make your life better for it yeah yeah exactly and these are like bigger concepts about the better ways to live your life and like how to treat others and all of that stuff as well so I think yeah often when adults just ingrained in their value set and what they like to do like you know you can't change their mindset about certain things and that's because they're so ingrained in that Um, so I love that you started it for kids from a young age because that's obviously where it's best to start teaching that Mm. yeah and also think sometimes when we look at religion, sometimes people get scared or pushed away because of the rigidity of it at times. Mm, Whereas mm, with Buddhism, mm. a lot of it seems to be inward looking and focuses on your connection with self rather Mm, than mm. a more macro, higher view. Mm. Yeah. I think, again, on that, we have these preconceived notions of what it is to be religious as well. Like going to a temple being good, being silent, sitting there, quiet space, you know. And while those things are good in those environments, I guess, it doesn't mean that I can't be religious or spiritual and have gather and stitch and have metaminds or want to, I don't know, just do normal human things. Because if you're funny, be funny. If you're confident, be confident. You know, if you want to dance, dance. Like Buddhism the truth is just about being who you are. Mm. And if you are true to who you are, then you will be living your best version. We all have that inside of us. Yeah. Yeah, So in speaking about all of that, we obviously want to learn a bit about Buddhism and Buddhist teachings with yourself. There's no way we're going to cover that in a 15-minute podcast episode. But we'd love to understand a bit more about it from you around like what the core beliefs are of Buddhism. Like how would you describe the key values that the religion upholds to someone who doesn't know anything about it, like a dummy's guide to to what Buddhism is about? Um, Buddhism is a mindful and aware state of being. So it's more about the practice of having this in day-to-day life full of awareness and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Once you've realized that, you notice like the true nature of reality and how things are. So you've got awareness, you've got wisdom, and you're living it through with kindness so that you understand how to like balance the suffering that you have in your life. And then you release that kind of yeah. um, suffering. You understand how to bring happiness in instead. Right. Buddhism also talks about nothing is permanent how actions have consequences, Mm. and most importantly, how change is possible, that you're responsible for your own actions and you can take control and be in charge of your own life and who you are and your own outcome, Mm -hmm. irrespective of race, nationality, sexuality, gender. So it doesn't discriminate on anything like that. So it's basically just like realities of the world, the truth, how things work, yeah. For me, it's just the truth. It's just how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that explanation. But maybe if I prompt you a bit more on that, when you say truth, what truth are you specifically speaking to? Because I think when we are talking about religion and sometimes when we use words like truth, I think that's when sometimes people get a bit divisive Mm. because every belief system claims to be the truth, Mm. right? So in the Buddhist context, how would you define that? Yeah, I think when I refer to truth, I mean the way that things can work. So, for example, if you have kindness within you, 
And once you know it and understand it for yourself, then you can give it to other people and other people can feel it off you and that energy. So in that way, that's a truth of how the world works. But you could be practicing kindness in that way in any religion you follow. Mm. So Mm. you could be practicing these truths no matter what religion you follow. So to me, Buddhism is just reality and existence of how the world works, but you don't have to be saying you're a Buddhist to do them because it's all about the practice of what you're doing. So when I teach it to the kids, I hold up a pen and I'm like, if I let go of the pen, what will happen? And they're like, oh, well, it's going to fall to the ground. I say, why? How do you know this? And they say, because there's this thing called gravity and the pen will fall. And then I'm like, okay, so whether you know about gravity or not, it doesn't change that the pen is still going to fall to the ground. It's still going to happen. So in the same way, whether we know or aware of these understandings of how things work, it doesn't matter that it's still going to happen and it's just the way things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it sort of like everything that is meant to happen will happen either way? It's how you deal with that reality. Mm, Yeah. And that's the truth? Yeah, it is just the way the world works. It transcends time and will always be relevant and always be modern and contemporary. Yeah. Buddhism is just a way of calling it something, but it's, you know, someone else might call it universal truth. Someone might call it, the reality of the world it's something different to everyone depending on your background as well right does it also include your own truth within you like self-truth yeah for sure the way that you tap into universal truth and understanding is first you've got to want that truth for yourself right so I always think the starting point is just being like what is the truth I would like to hear the truth I would like to know the truth Mm -hmm. and then finding out about yourself okay why am I the way I am Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be Helene what do I like what don't I like especially now we're kind of like in this rat race where we just think we're doing something that is meant to happen and meant to be but we don't really stop and think okay who am I what do I do so understanding your truth is understanding universal truth okay yeah believing in yourself and trusting in yourself and having faith in yourself loving yourself gratitude to yourself is loving, gratitude, faith, trust to the whole universe and the truth. Yeah. So it's all really, really, really connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess when you use the word truth, you're not saying that Buddhism is the one true religion. Mm. What you're saying is that it's the reality in which you live. your life exists yeah. and how you exist in the world around you. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And yeah, like I said, you can be under another religion and still be doing those truths and for me i don't know the word religion and buddhism for me don't Mm. go together it's more of a philosophy right is that how it's a philosophy it's a way of life and that's why it's it is in mainstream books Mm. and everything as well like you have the buddha placed under philosophers not as a religious teacher yeah, cultural influences and stuff have changed things along the way. And if it works for you as a religion, it works for mm. you as a religion. Right. But for me, it's like more a way of life. Mm. It's just how things are. Yeah, yeah, understood. And I guess just going back to what we're talking about in terms of philosophies, mm. very loosely, the Buddha's philosophies stem from an understanding of suffering and mm. a goal to reach a state of enlightenment. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Buddha's journey and how those kind of concepts fit into the overarching teachings. Yeah. 
So I think the Buddha came at a time where India practiced Hinduism. And then he was like, hang on, we're just going in this cycle of rebirth, going around and around and again. There's got to be a way to escape this. What's our true purpose here? What's our true goal? What's the truth? And so he, you know, went through this whole journey to find that out. He became enlightened and then he taught it to other people. And one of the core things about that was the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths is, again, how I teach it to the kids. It's like, if you feel sick, right, you are like, okay, I'm sick. So then you understand that, okay, there's the Four Noble Truths. They always call it suffering as a direct translation into English. But there's the word dukkha, which they translate into English, is not just suffering. Like mm -hmm. there's a million words. Yeah, it's dissatisfaction, discomfort, sadness, yeah. you know, frustration, anger. It's all these emotions. It's just dukkha. Mm. Like there's a million English words that need to fit into that yeah. to explain it. Yeah, and in different contexts it can also right. be used in, in different, different ways. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for each person it's going to be something different. Yeah. And for each moment in your life it's yeah. going to be something different. Yeah. So first you're like, okay, so I'm sick right? I have Dukkha. And then the next one is the second noble truth is that you go to the doctor and the doctor will be like, okay, this is why you're sick. Mm -hmm. So the cause of your sickness is this, the cause of our Dukkha is this. And then he'll be like, you can take some medicine for it and it will get better. So there is an end to your Dukkha. Mm -hmm. There is an end to your sickness this is how you could do it. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is like laying out the path to getting better right. and being free from that and then attaining Nibbana eventually. Right. Yeah. So just to check my understanding, the first truth is about understanding what is the emotion or what is the suffering. Yep. Then the second truth is the truth of understanding the origins or where that right. suffering stems from. Yeah. And then the third is accepting that there is a way to overcome that. And then the fourth is the guide to, to get yeah, there. Yeah, that's it. Great job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's basically it. Um, and the end of that, the path leading to the end of suffering, the path leading to the end of Sukha, which is the fourth noble truth, is the eightfold path. That has lovely steps that you can take, but it's, all about your practice yeah you've got the knowledge but you've got to practice it yeah yeah right I love the analogy about the doctor and like how that's like a very practical way to visualize what the four noble truths are I mean not just for kids right like it helps me even yeah. digest the concept <laughs> um so yeah. when I guess in terms of like putting something like that into practice say there is something you're going through a mental health struggle or like whatever it is any sort of like stress do you yourself actually go through these four steps in your own mind? And mm -hmm. is that how you process and break down what that is? Like kind of first accepting that this is happening and then what is the root? Why am I the way I am? Or why mm -hmm. is the situation eventuated? And then telling yourself like this will end or there will be a way for me to get out of this. And then, okay, like how do I practically do that? Like, cause I feel like that's yeah. a really great way to just like break down anything really that you're going through um yeah is that how like you would do it and is that the ultimate goal of this type of teaching yeah I think that's a great way of starting out and doing it because 
with anything is like accepting that it exists before mm-hmm. you can change it right yeah. if you are unaware of it if you're going through depression even accepting that it's there in the first place will be like okay then what's the cure how do I get out do I get therapy do I go outside see the sun go for walks like you need to first accept it before you can try and find the answers on how to cure it yeah that's essentially it that is putting the four noble truths into practice and then the more you want to understand it that information is going to come to you if you're just putting out there you know I want to find the truth I want to understand this more it's going to come to you whether it's in forms of books that come to you or podcasts or like you know someone might just talk to you about it you might be listening to this now because you thought about it so yeah definitely start small just trust yourself and just allow your heart to take you there there is so much information out there start with the four noble truths start practicing it like you said yeah. 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 And I feel like I'm someone who goes into problem solving mode straight away. <laughs> like it's just my personality. Mm. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I just go, okay, this is the issue. Let's just, what do we need to do to like figure this out? But I think it's nice to still reflect on the things before as well mm. with the sort of four step process of the four no- noble truths. Like it helps you also reflect, which is like yeah. a really good reminder for anyone that's like me who just kind of go straight into like let's just solve this um yeah. and I do like that and I know we spoke about this when we talked prior and you're saying like Jay Shetty is a huge influence of yours and mm-hmm. I love him as well and one of the things that he talks about is why someone is the way they are or why a situation is the way it is or why yeah. did I react this way or why did someone else react this way and it always comes down to like something deep rooted within like someone's childhood or something that happened to them in the past so it's so important to reflect on that and it's something that I've been trying to do in my own life just to understand Mm. like contexts better because it just helps you like be more empathetic towards yourself and towards other people as well when you do take the time to reflect on that so I, I do love the way this is kind of laid out like this yeah and I think what you're doing there is finding the cause of suffering that's the second noble Mm, truth what you're trying to do is finding where this came from why am I the way I am what is happening those deep-rooted issues trauma whatever that is making Mm. you do something or feel that way that's the cause Mm. like you're trying to figure that out once you figure that out then you can find the medicine for that Mm. because you're not going to be able to find the medicine if you're not aware of where it all started from yeah yeah so I guess in your case Romy you're going from accepting that you're sick to finding the medicine, mm. whereas there's this big gap in between mm. to understand the cause of your sickness cause. in this analogy. Yeah. That if you were able to understand, your process to find a solution will have a deeper perspective yeah. compared to jumping from you know this is my problem this is how I'm gonna fix it and then going back to like the yeah. second step yeah. like the, the medicine yeah, yeah. yeah. and then maybe like, that'll guess... cause having less problems as well right because yeah. you can make better sense of the triggers and mm. have clarity in yeah what the root of that is mm. yeah yeah exactly. yeah and you're gonna find the right medicine for the right illness mm. you know mm. yeah because you can't treat anger with what you need to treat depression yeah of course you can't treat depression with what you need to treat anger with you got to figure out what the real problem here is what that real emotion here is Mm. you only find that out when you go right down to the root of Mm. what the cause is yeah yeah makes sense with the buddha story like you mentioned he goes from being a sheltered prince to 
going out into the world and discovering that there is great suffering. So he, I guess, starts his journey being surrounded by overindulgence in the palace to then going to the other extreme and disconnecting from the material world as a monk and finding himself in the midst of starvation. Yeah. But then he eventually realizes that suffering exists on either ends of the spectrum, but that there's also a space in between those extremes called the middle way. I'd love to understand that a bit more, if you could explain that concept to us. Yeah, the middle way is so interesting because if you apply it all the time, it is so clear and beautiful about how you can just get about life. And it's so like reflective throughout so many situations. And one of them is, yeah, he was overindulgent on one way. He was raised as a prince, had everything he wanted, never went outside the palace. He never, ever saw suffering. He had all this stuff that could be given to him. You know, flowers were refreshed. So he never saw wilting. He never saw death of that. Mm -hmm. And then he went out into the world and saw like sickness, old age, death for the first time in his life when he was 29 years old. That's huge. That's like, wham, you know. Mm. Anara knows about death now and she's three and a half. But imagine getting to like almost the middle of your life and then being hit with it. Mm. So then he went on this journey to try and figure out, yeah, what the truth was. And instead of he had an overindulgent life here and then what he started to do was practice self-torture and starving himself in order to find the truth because he thought that if he sacrificed his body his mind would be enhanced and he would be able to find the truth so then he wasn't in the middle and he realized this and then he came back into the middle and then he was aligned with the middle way middle path and he became enlightened and we can take that analogy and understand like if we're in a place of suffering we're not going to understand the truth because we're so caught up in trying to get better and feel better and escape this like immediate suffering that we have. Mm -hmm. If we're overindulgent and we already have everything we need, we're not going to again question life and make the changes that we need, right? So we need to be in that middle area where, yep, my needs are kind of met, but there's still something missing. But then also not in like, oh, I have everything already, I'm good. Right. So you you need to like be in that middle way again to even understand the Dhamma, to even understand the truth, to even go looking for it, you've got to be in the middle way. Mm. And then if you look at the whole universe as a concept of like, if you believe that there are heavenly worlds and there are hell worlds and there's the human world, the Buddha will always be born in the human world because again, it's in the middle. Mm. There's suffering and there's, beauty and comfort so like you're not in the hell world where you're not even going to be thinking about learning about the truth if you're suffering or like up there in the heavenly worlds you're just having a good life so it doesn't bother you to find the truth but here down here is mere mortals (laughs) we're stuck in the middle where we're like questioning stuff and we see both suffering and not suffering so then we're more able to understand so it's like again the middle way so in every concept, in every way that you balance emotions, balance your thoughts, it's all this game of balance. It's mm-hmm. not about blocking out anger. It's not about blocking out frustration, blocking out about depression. It comes from kindness, gratitude, understanding, and just accepting and observing, essentially. Yeah. 
for sure. And to your point on the middle way, I guess when you're on one end of the spectrum, you're also blind to the realities of the opposite end mm. and everything in between that. So yeah. if we go back to the example of the Buddha and what he was closed off from until he took that step outside of his palace to open his eyes to the world beyond that. Yeah. If we apply the same narrative to our own lives, it's interesting to think about what palaces were confined to and what realities were trapped and overindulging in. Yeah. So yeah. again, using that analogy, sometimes we need to be more conscious of taking a step outside of our own kingdoms 100%. to understand that there are perspectives and lives and yeah. realities and experiences different to what we're familiar with to see yeah. what we can learn from that. That's great. That's mm. awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I think like what you were saying, it's not about being on either extreme. It's kind of like meeting yeah. in the middle somewhere, right? And it's like counterbalancing whatever it is you're going through so to your point it doesn't mean you're just neutral all the time with everything you do you can feel that extreme emotion like we're human at the end of the day we're going to feel the emotions but then like feeling it and accepting it and then again like kind of going back to the four noble truths but then doing what the inner work that needs to be done to kind of bring that balance back into yourself again I think yeah and so that when you have that balance, you're not going to let it unawares affect someone mm, else. Yes, yes. So that you don't take it out on others and, yeah. You don't right. take it out yeah. on another person because you're like, oh, I'm feeling this anger because of me. Yeah. It's not because of you. Yeah. You didn't do anything. Yeah. Right? You're just there for me to react to. But it came from me. Okay, if it comes from me, then all of a sudden you have love and understanding for yourself mm. because you're like, oh, I get this about myself. Mm, right. Yeah. And then you're not going to be like taking it out on someone else. It stops right there. And you're also more understanding of other people when you do get to that point. Like from my understanding, at least from this conversation, it's always about like finding yourself first. And then as a ripple effect off the back of that, you also understand like people around you a lot better as well. And you'll be more like thinking about why someone is the way they are, for example, whether it be your friends or even your parents and your partner and all of that. Exactly. And that all stems from loving kindness, compassion, mm. joy for others, and then ultimately love for everyone. Because you can't give out something you don't have. Yeah, so if you yeah. don't have understanding, you can't give it out to other yeah. people. If you don't have love for yourself, you can't give it out to other yeah. people. If you don't have compassion for yourself, you can't be compassionate for other people. Yeah. Like yeah. you can to a degree where it's almost expecting something in return or it's at a base level which is a wonderful place to start Mm. continue to be that but you can only enhance it if you feel it inside that's when it becomes true because you're like oh i felt this yeah understanding that i'm responding to the situation in this way because i understand the suffering or the trauma or personality trait that led me to react in that way yeah so maybe when someone else yeah. is reacting in the way that they are, I can empathize that yeah. there's, yeah. you know, maybe something deeper than the surface level response. And yeah. that'll help my perspective to approach that, but also help with my compassion and awareness in that situation as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess with the four noble truths, once you accept that, the fourth truth is an understanding of the path you can follow to overcome that suffering and eventually reach that state of enlightenment, yeah. which, correct me if I'm wrong, but is called the Eightfold Path. Yeah. Um, but actually, before that, 
Is part the right term to actually explain that? Or is that just an oversimplification of the theory? It's like a guide. Okay, journey along these. These are the steps. But when you're practicing it, you go back and forth yeah, from so it. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. a linear. So it's not like a st- yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's interwoven. Yeah. It's not like a step-by-step consequential. Yeah, thing. in general it is, but not when you practice, yeah. Right, right. So with the Eightfold Path, like Romy said at the start of the episode, we're barely going to be able to scratch the surface with the depth of knowledge when it comes to this in a 50-minute yeah. podcast. But if I can read out each part of the Eightfold Path, would you be able to give us a quick summary of what each part involves? Yeah. Cool. So the first one is called Right Understanding. So Right Understanding is first becoming aware of the truth and reality. Yeah. And the second one is Right Thought. Right Thought is how the right view is going to influence the way that you think. So if the right view and the right understanding is, for example okay, when I'm angry, that's to do with me and not somebody else, then the right thought that comes out of it is like what Sam then was saying before is that you're not going to think, oh, that other person is making me angry. So then automatically you have the right thought. Got you. Next is right speech. And then you have the right speech from that anger that you would not project to someone else, but you're going to say the right things. And right action. And right action is you're not going to do something out of not understanding. So you're going to physically do good things. And that all comes with the awareness. Yep. And after that is right livelihood. Right livelihood means you're going to lead your life with the right thought, right speech, right action intentionally in order to be the best version of yourself because now you have this awareness of how that is and how it works. And then we have right effort. Right effort is you need the determination and the willpower, the courage and the confidence to do that because it is not easy. And this journey is going to be hard. It's going to tear you to bits to figure out who you really are and what the truth is. So you always have to be determined. You always have to trust yourself and you're going to give up on yourself and then you're going to build that back up again. Right mindfulness. Right mindfulness for number seven and number eight kind of flow on quickly from one to the other. So right mindfulness is being aware, mindful of every moment of every minute so that you're always in a state of the middle path, always in a state of calm and always living in the present moment. And then right concentration. Yeah, right concentration is the right meditation, the right awareness. So you're like transcend awareness of the physical world into the spiritual worlds and you're just aware of how everything is and once you're aware of how everything is and how it works and you can give that ultimate energy is unconditional love once you have that in balance perfect balance then you'll be attaining nirvana yeah and obviously we ran through that quite quickly and you know thank you for your explanation but you know there's so much more depth to it than this quick rundown so i actually came across a really good resource that explains quite simply how each of those can be applied in a day-to-day example so we'll be sure to put that on instagram for everyone as well yeah even the summaries that you just mentioned it's interesting to think because a lot of these old wisdoms and traditions 
really do make their way into like modern day society. And I think people will be listening to this conversation being like, oh yeah, like I've heard of mindfulness and I've heard of these concepts before, you know, they're not foreign to me. But then sometimes they're in like our society now in like positive ways and in respectful ways. And then other times it's misrepresented sometimes or like diluted, Mm. really bordering on cultural appropriation. Even concepts like karma and dharma, for example, a lot of people just kind of throw them around a lot of the time, like without their true definitions, right? And like, I think it's fine if people adopt these because they're really great concepts to be like living your life by regardless of your background or anything. But it's more so like not paying homage or not really understanding where it's actually come from. Mm. A lot of the time, like people don't even realize it's come from these like ancient practices yeah you know I have so much faith that even if you start with that non-deep level understanding that you'll get there and I think there are appropriations like there are appropriations with everything but Mm. it's so hard to escape that now because we're living in such an integrated world Mm. and so yes concepts are going to go back and forth and even the Dhamma tells us this Mm. that it is going to get diluted. And if you understand nothing is permanent, including the Dhamma too. So it comes to a point in time when no one speaks about the Dhamma, no one understands the truth. And that's when a Buddha has to come again. So we're currently living in one world of this Buddha's time, but there have been many before him and there will be many after him. So it is just, again, reality Mm. of how things happen. So even like culturally appropriated by countries that are known for Buddhism, that happens too. There Mm. are so many misconceptions where like, I don't know, I was told that women couldn't water a Bodhi tree and that's the tree that Buddha became enlightened under. And I was like, how is this true? Because in Buddhism, you don't look at who the person is on the outside. You don't look at an animal any different to a human you value each person for who they are inside and know that this is part of their journey that animal would have been a human before that human may be an animal next time like you can't separate anything therefore there's no prejudice in the truth Mm. there's no like you know you're a man or a woman or whatever your sexuality is or whatever it is there's no prejudice Mm. so this couldn't be true but here it is being practiced under the umbrella of Buddhism. Yeah. So there's so many misconceptions out yeah. there. You just got to trust your gut and know that if it doesn't sit right well with you, it's not correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good call out because it's not fair for us to say that it's only appropriated by Western mm. cultures, yeah. right? Because how often do we as South Asians yeah. not fully grasp yeah. the depth of knowledge and dilute it or misrepresent some of these wisdom traditions because we ourselves don't do that deeper digging yeah yeah um that actually reminds me there's a show called avatar the last airbender which i'm not sure if either of you know about Mm -hmm. i first watched it when i was in primary school and in early high school and yeah basically it's this children's cartoon which starts off very kiddie but then gets really dark and deep yeah And it brings out all of these like really big Hindu and Buddhist and South Asian religious philosophies without explicitly labeling it as being a religious concept. So, you know, things like the chakras that are inside of us Mm. or all living things being connected spiritually or rebirth and having previous versions of your life force 
coming and speaking to you in different ways, which is something that I know that we spoke about off air, Helen. Yeah. All of these really big concepts were brought out in a Western English produced cartoon. Mm. And that actually triggered my brother and I to have deeper conversations about it with our grandma, about our religion and the philosophies in that. So, you know, there are examples that are close to home where surface level things that may not be as rooted in the traditions spark that deeper exploration Mm. and ignite that desire to learn more. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think anything you can take it as for you as a message or an understanding or you can take it as not being there for you. So if you start to see things that it is there for me and even like something that is hurtful is there for you to understand something from, then you all of a sudden have gratitude for everything around you and you start to see what you can draw out from everything. So even if it's a very surface level um, like the airbender one, do it say right? Um, <laughs> like, you know, you did understand something from yeah. it and it triggered something and they were speaking the truth because yeah. it's not refined and it's not under this umbrella of a name. Like, it is just the way things are. Like, you know, you don't have to be brown to know this. Yeah. There are so many yeah. people. Yeah. And the thing is we don't know their journeys. We don't know our journeys. Like, they could have been understanding these truths in a different way you know it's so interesting like we can't think of it as how people look on the outside in this life yeah yeah I hear what you're saying and I think like from all of this I think the understanding that I really get is like you don't have to identify even like as a Buddhist or as an anything to be able to practice these really great teachings for life really because I think that's also something like what Sandra was saying before about having subscribed to a religion like you know some people hesitate with that myself included right because it comes with a lot of other things that like maybe you know disagree with or you don't want to do or like whatever it might be but I think you don't have to do that in order to take these teachings into your own life at the end of the day it's just to be a good human and to be the best version of yourself so I think that will really resonate with a lot of people as well because it's not about these are the things you have to do in order to be a good Buddhist or a good whatever religion you follow yeah yeah and there's so many misconceptions about that because I hear people saying like you know you need to go to a temple in order to be a good Buddhist or good Hindu or whatever it is or you need to go to church to be that but you've got the knowledge on one side you've got to practice it you can't just be going there and living a completely different life the rest of the time yeah yeah exactly it doesn't make sense we're all like why would we go and we have like this such a resistance of going to those places because we don't see these people who go there practice it in their daily lives yeah, you know what I mean right, right. exactly and so it ultimately comes down to practice it doesn't matter where you go why you do yeah. you just got to practice the teaching yeah agreed my dad says this really good thing because my dad's quite a spiritual person but also quite yeah. religious in Hinduism but he's not someone who like goes to the temple every week and stuff like that. Like he'll meditate daily and do all of those things instead. And his concept is like God is all of us and is inside all of us and it's who you are as a person. And like I was just mind blown (laughs) like one day, like we were just talking about all of this and he was just saying that and I had no idea like that was what he thought inside. But 
I think that's yeah. so true. Like it, you don't have to say like, oh, I'm a good, you know, X, Y, Z religion because I do this ritual of going to the place of worship yes. or whatever it is. It's more about like living that day to day. Yeah. But like speaking of my dad and like him meditating, when we think about mindfulness practices, meditation is one of the first things you think about, right? I myself, I've been trying to be consistent with doing really short meditations in the mornings. And I've really seen the benefit of that in the past couple of months. But like what other mindfulness techniques or resources or things do people need to be mindful about um, when they start this journey when it comes to mindfulness? Um, If you're just starting out, you can follow methylites. Um, No, like you said, Sandra, it's targeted at kids, but it's not just for kids. And I say it in such an easy way that it's so easy that even an adult can understand. (laughs) You don't have to be Um, Yeah, it's I've really thought about the order and the flow of things. Other than that, I love Jay Shetty, like you were saying, Romy, and he just gives such practical applications of how you can apply knowledge and understanding to your day to day life. Then other than that, just start by trusting yourself, trusting your heart, figuring out what you like to do, what you love, you know, put it out there that you want to find your purpose and all these things will lead you there. I think build up that self-confidence. So when you talk about affirmations, like you've got to have that self-love for yourself first. So really building yourself up to being the human you want to be and we talk about that in the first episode of met the minds and also now in the fifth episode that's about to come out it's about changing those negative ideas of yourself into positive ones and just like having that mindset in your mind that you can be the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. and you will be the best version of yourself then the knowledge will come the truth will come everything will come but if you're searching for it then Even the fact that you're searching for it is so good. That's how everyone Mm. starts. That's how the Buddha started, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, you'll find the resources. Jay Shetty is a good, easy to understand way to start. Mm. For sure. We obviously spoke about some really big topics today at a very surface level. But one of the things I'm starting to understand is how simple yet powerful these teachings are. So I'm genuinely interested in learning more about all of this and how I can incorporate it into my life. And again, I just think it's incredible how you're able to take this wisdom and make it digestible for children. And again, hopefully plant those seeds really early so they can be more mindful and self-aware as they grow up, especially having to navigate a increasingly turbulent and divisive time that we're in. Mm. So just a huge congratulations once again, We absolutely love what you're doing and we can't wait to see what's in store. We definitely will share all the details as to how our listeners can follow your content and join you for the ride too. Yeah, I totally echo what Sandin's saying. Like I've admired you from afar since I was like 17 years old and this is 10, 11 years on now. And we've got the privilege of admiring you up close as well. So it's amazing to see you venture out into like other things that also interest you. So thank you for doing this, especially with the intent of educating kids when I have kids one day I'll definitely be <laughs> using Meta Minds and your lessons. Thank you guys. Thank you again for having me back here and I love talking to you both on and off the screen. So I really appreciate you guys making the effort and yeah giving me the time to speak today and telling everyone who will listen about MetaLines. So yeah, thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. 
We took away so much from this conversation and we hope that you did too. Once again, thank you for your continued support of Stuck In Between. As we mentioned in our last podcast, Stuck In Between may start to look different soon, but we're really excited for whatever's in store. Definitely. We'll see you next time. Bye.